0: Boundaryless Kayak Fishing Podcast with your host, Mark Goodrow. All right, thank you everyone for tuning in to the first episode of the Boundaryless Kayak Fishing Podcast. This is Mark Goodrow. I wanted to make a new podcast specifically for kayak fishing. There's not too many. Different ones out there that specifically dive into fishing from a kayaker's perspective. Um, there are a few out there. We have the, the Minnesota Kayak Fishing Association has their own podcast, which, which is great. You guys should follow them. Uh, follow them on Facebook, too. Great group of guys. Um, Smalley Talk, they're another podcast that dives specifically into smallmouth fishing in Indiana. Uh, pretty fun. It. it it is a little off the wall at times, so make sure when you tune in, uh, maybe just have it be you for the first time. Uh, maybe no kids around. <laughs> and then you have all the different pro bass series, um, different podcasts out there that really go in depth uh, in terms of fishing and are interviewing you know some of the top pros, which is great for that fishing knowledge, but don't specifically, obviously, go into fishing from a kayak. So... I want to start a new podcast that specifically dives into the features and the differences that happen when you're fishing out of a kayak. Um, As you know from the intro, my name is Mark Goodrow, avid kayak angler, consider myself more of a weekend warrior. I work a normal Monday through Friday 8 to 5, so I try to get out on the weekends best I can and uh, usually I'm pretty successful. But you know everybody has those days but i started kayak fishing when i was in middle school Uh, started at a younger age i'm about 31 now Um, i started when i was young middle school i continued a little bit through high school went to college in colorado and and focused a little more on mountain biking and snowboarding and camping out there Um, but once i got out of college i started hitting kayak fishing pretty hard um especially now being in minnesota for the past three years and all the lakes they have up here um, just been kayak fishing a lot had some pretty good tournament success usually finish in the top 10 of the local tournaments here haven't been doing any of the really large kayak fishing tournaments quite yet maybe something that i look at in the future here Um, but one of the reasons i kayak fish is just It's something that allows you access to the entire lake. Um, You know, it's a game changer if you're a bank fisherman to be able to access all those areas that you aren't able to access, especially around here where most of the edge of the the water is all private land. So you might have one dock on a lake that you can fish from if you're a bank fisherman, Um, but up here, most of it is all private land, so you really have to be able to either access that by boat or by kayak. Um, the great thing, as you guys know, is that kayak fishing is way cheaper. Um, it's way easier to get in that game than to go to a bigger boat. And I personally think in order to handle the big waves that sometimes get pushed, back, pushed out, instead of going along in a little 16-foot aluminum boat, I think sometimes in a kayak, it it actually handles that better. You're a little closer down to the water, uh, you can actually feel a little more stable. And if you're prepared correctly, and if you do fall out, then you just flip it back over and you hop back in. So it's, it's a great way to cover a lot of water and to get onto areas that you wouldn't normally be able to fish at a decent price. So, I, I'm an absolute gear junkie. I'm a big time researcher. Love making sure that all the gear I get is, is kind of top of the line. Um, you know, sometimes I like to joke around that I do more research than actually fishing, uh, which is probably too, true because I don't get enough time <laughs> to go out fishing. Um, but really, the purpose of this podcast is to share some knowledge, be more specific to kayak fishing, and it'll hopefully help encourage people to get out on the water more and to learn something new that maybe they didn't know before i am uh, an ambassador ambassador for omnia fishing i don't know if you guys have ever heard of omnia fishing but it's a great uh, e-retailer so it's an online retailer for everything fishing tackle related so you know they have Sanko, swim baits, spinner baits everything you would need uh, for a day out on the water, they cover pretty much all the species largemouth, smallmouth, musky, walleye, pike, um, everything local up here. I don't think they do anything saltwater, so if you're a big time saltwater angler, I don't think Omnia has anything on the website for that. But they also have some gear, so they have, you know, Sims waders and uh, bibs, and uh, mainly a lot of Sims products, which are top of the line. Um, the cool thing about Omnia Fishing is that they use a lot of ambassadors like me to make lists and so especially if you're a new angler and you're trying to decide what kind of tackle that you should get, you can go scroll down on the initial page and it breaks it down state by state. You click on a state such as Minnesota, you can find Mark Goodrow as one of those ambassadors, click on my list and then you can see I have a list if you're trying to get a gift for somebody, a list if you wanna you know, be a pro bass angler and kind of all everything that I use basically from the website. If you're looking at smallmouth in clear water or smallmouth on rivers or largemouth, I have lists basically broken down that you can kind of look at what I'm using and you can decide if uh, you wanna make a purchase. Um, you are able to get twenty percent off your first purchase there using the code g o u d good 20 two zero. so g o u d two zero like my last name. So with that being said, let's get into breaking down what the routine is going to be like. Like I said, this is just the introduction episode. so right now we're not going to get into too many details on any specific topics. But what I want to do is share with you kind of what what we're going to be looking at per episode. So I'm, I'm looking at releasing an episode probably every other week. I hope to have a new episode out. And then per episode, I'll probably do a, a verse or thought of the episode. Um, I am a Christian, so it's important to me to be able to help share that. And even if you're not a Christian, um, you know, It'll only be about a minute long, so you can either blow past it or just listen through it if you want, but we'll do a verse of thought per episode. We'll do a lure uh, slash presentation of the episode, just diving into some specifics on a specific lure. Um, Maybe it's a new lure. Maybe it's something that's a confidence lure for me um, or something new that I've seen coming up recently. And then we'll do a short little time about any kayak fishing related uh, news and then listener questions. If you guys ever have any questions, shoot them over to me. I'd love to read them off and be able to answer those. And also there'll probably be a short little area for sponsors. Um, we'll kind of see how that goes throughout the different episodes. Anyways, we're going to take a short break and then we'll start getting into those sections. Alright, let's get started with a verse of the episode. So I picked Genesis 20 to 23. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. I thought that would be a good first one to start out with, just, you know, where did fish begin, and where did they come from? And very thankful that God said to be fruitful and multiply so that we all don't just have one large mouth worth chasing in the entire lake. So I thought it'd be a good one to start out with. And then uh, I was just reading a book the other day that talked about, you know, how to prove God and Jesus are real. And it basically said how creation is so beautiful it would be hard for uh, there to be anything other than a divine being that uh, or a creator that has created all the animals uh, along with ourselves. And how would it look if it was basically just survival of the fittest? I think everything would be a little more... Um, probably fierce looking. (laughs) So anyways, that's the first of the day. Uh, Moving on to the lure presentation of the episode. And today we're gonna start off with, uh, for the introduction, I thought a good one would be the Wacky Rig. So if you're not familiar with the Wacky Rig, it's essentially a bear hook, uh, usually kind of more of an octopus or circle hook style. Although a lot of people are also just using you know, three out uh, offset hook, like a warm hook that you traditionally Texas rig. You know, if you have one of those just lying around, you can try this technique also. You need to take a Senko, uh, five inch, well, I typically use a five inch stick bait. You hook the hook right through the middle of the bait, um, kind of where the egg sack is typically. You just hook it through perpendicular. Um, And it just dangles with both sides, kind of dangling off to the side. Um, I fish it mainly weightless. You can get some weighted hooks or stick, um, cut off a little piece of a nail uh, or get specific weights for that rig. You can put that in and that helps it sink a little faster. But I traditionally like to fish it weightless. Um, Mainly I'm looking for Edges of lily pads, uh, dock posts, anywhere where there's a little structure that might be holding a fish. You can start diving deeper into the lily pads with it, but you just have to be careful that you don't get hung up. Um, some of them have, you can get hooks with the weed guards on it, but I still don't, don't typically use those weed guard hooks. Um, if I do get a pack of them, I usually just break off the weed guard. Um, I don't see that they really help that much but you know any anywhere where you think fish are holding it's more of a of a calmer water kind of back bay situation to use that on rivers you can kind of throw it into those back eddies and that slack water and uh, it's a great way to get some fish on rivers too Um, really just a finesse technique Um, let it fall on a little bit of slack line and really the key and I think this takes a while for people to understand is the key to be is to be watching that line very closely um, what you're looking for is just a little bit of a tick in that line um, so you, you you throw it out you let that lure start falling uh, it's going to fall relatively slow and you're just making sure you're on a slack line keep that rod tip up to start And then slowly start dropping that rod tip as the lure is falling and just watching that line, making sure you have a little bit of bend in that line so it's slack. You want that presentation to fall straight down. You don't want it if you have too much, uh, if your line's too taut, it's gonna start swinging that bait back towards your boat as it goes down. So you wanna make sure you have enough slack in the line where that bait is falling straight down for the fish. they get a little bit weary when they start seeing that a that bait swing like that. So you keep that slack line and, and you're just have eagle eyes towards kind of the end of your rod tip, maybe a few feet down the line. And you're just, well, really as far down the line as you can see clearly on that line, you're looking for a tick. It'll be a little movement and sometimes it happens when you just hit the bottom of the lake, you'll kind of see that little tick, but I'd say a majority of my strikes come as a little tick. Um, another way you might see that a fish is on is you might end up, you won't even see the tick, you'll just see your line starting to maybe move in one direction or the other. Obviously, you have to be mindful of how your boat is moving in the wind. Um, being kayak fishing, uh the boat tends to move a little more, especially in the wind, than we would like, a lot more than a bass boat. Um, so you have to be very cognizant of kind of wind direction and what's normal. And after you do a few a little pitches or flips, you'll start to realize kind of what's the wind movement and what's the fish movement. Um, or if you are getting pushed and all of a sudden your line stops and it's kind of staying there and it's not going with that flow a little bit, that might be an indicator that you have a fish on the line, or you'll see it running closer to you or away from you, or maybe the line that was slack is starting, you know, it's starting to take up slack a little faster than you know this lure can drop. It's time to set the hook. Um, this is one of those lures that, that simply just catches fish. If you ever need to try to just catch numbers of fish, um, the the quality of fish can vary uh, with this technique. You can definitely catch absolutely giants with it, but it's great lure to primarily catch numbers. Um, so it, it's one of those that if you just need a confidence boost, this is personally one of my confidence baits. I have one tied up for every tournament. Um, I don't care what I'm doing, what I'm planning on fishing. I have a wacky rig ready to go in case I kind of see that opportunity for one. Um, One of the biggest things I'm looking for uh, when I'm picking out the specific worm is the rate of fall of that worm. Um, This can make a pretty big difference. Color, obviously, is, is a big game changer. But the rate of fall of that specific brand is pretty critical to know. And it's just something, if you haven't wacky rigged, Really worm rig, uh, worm fished very much in the past. It's very important to look into the rate of fall lure uh, of that worm, or if that worm floats, because some some worms float. So you have to be aware of that. If you go try to wacky rig a floating worm, you'll throw it out there and it'll just sit on top of the water. Um, my my favorite brand is the original Yamamoto Senko in the five inch. Um, I stick to a few colors. I stick to kind of the green pumpkin. There's a little one that's a little bit more orange and then there's one that's a little darker with a little red flake. It's like a motor oil with red flake. And then there's kind of a black and blue. Really just those four colors are excellent for that brand. It does have a high salt content. Any any plastic worm or plastic in general that has a high salt content is gonna weigh more and it's gonna sink faster. So those Yamamoto Senkos, they have a pretty fast fall rate compared to a lot of other worms. And that's why it's one of my favorites. You can cover a little more water and you can let it get down a little further. Um, The other one I like to use a lot are Yum. Uh, The Yum brand 5-inch stick bait is about half the price of the Yamamoto Senkos. And they're a little tougher and they last a lot longer. Be careful on the Yamamoto Senkos. Those... uh, They do have a lot of salt, they drop faster, but they're also a lot more delicate and it's not too hard to fling one off your hook or to break one in half. So every few casts, or especially after you catch a fish, you might want to switch over um, or at least use that same worm, but move the spot where that hook is uh, just to make sure you don't lose it. The yums on the other hand, they're a lot more durable. They're a lot cheaper. Um, They last way longer, but the rate of fall um, it's a lot slower, probably drops about half as fast as the Yamamoto Senko. So it's just something you have to be aware of and there's certain circumstances where I actually like using the slower fall. Um, if I think they're feeding up and kind of feeding top water and things like that, I'll, I'll go with a worm that falls slower, just so it's kind of up in that upper region a little longer and it's not just flying through that strike zone. Um, Also Yum has a lot of different colors and I tend to use, uh, they have a lot of colors with a little chartreuse tail on it. And when it comes to numbers of fish that really, it will catch a lot of small ones with that little chartreuse tail. Um, That kind of lures the fish and they tend to nail that. Um, So it's nice to have a little bit of chartreuse on there to help draw them in a little bit more. and then also i mentioned before you know when you hit the bottom you might see a little tick when you hit the bottom kind of how i fish is i toss it out i let it do a straight fall all the way to the bottom if i can once it hit bottom i give it a quick little jerk wait another three four seconds another quick jerk three four seconds damn it hit it by then i reel it in and i cast again so i'm looking around like a 10 second fall or a 10 second dead stick and this is almost this is almost power fishing the lure in a sense I cast it out, 10 second deadfall, quick jerk, see if anything hits it then, another quick jerk, nothing hits it. I kind of re- pop it back in uh, and ca- cast for the next spot. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a great lure. Um, another thing you can look at doing, if you are using the Yamamoto Senkos, you can get the O-ring kits that they have, the Wacky Rig, and you can put an O-ring on it and then you can string your hook under the O-ring rather than going straight through the bait. And that just helps that bait last longer. And then when you do catch a fish, that bait is gonna uh, basically run up your line when you have that fish on. So it's a great, great way to conserve baits and plastics um, and not lose them as much. The only thing I don't like about using the O-ring is that it orients your hook in the same way as the plastic. So you can, there's another method where you can double O-ring it, where you cross the O-rings over each other and then run the hook so it remains perpendicular with the bait at a 90 degree. And then that way I like my hookup percentage a lot better with the hook facing out like that rather than the hook being in line with the rest of the worm. just personal preference and I think it catches more fish when I'm in an actual tournament. So a lot of times that's how I'll fish if I'm just fishing for fun. When I'm in a tournament I like to hook it through the worm. Um, I don't like taking any chances. The hook's a little more hidden. It's not sticking out as much or as far away from the bait as much uh, and it's right there. So I hook it through the plastic during a tournament. When I'm not in a tournament I try to do that cross O-ring technique and then hook it through. So it's still perpendicular. My catch a fish, it'll run up the line. The bait's always in great shape. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think that's pretty much everything I have on the Wacky Rig. Um, just overall, great, great lure. Great confidence lure for me. That's something uh, I told my family once about. How how important having confidence in what you're fishing is uh, is to you when, when you're actually out on the water. And they kind of were laughing at me, but when it comes to fishing, you want to be confident. If you're not confident, it's weird to think or to say it this way, but if you're not confident, you're not going to catch them as well as if you're fishing with confidence. You know, there's times where you just know if you're confident that a fish is going to be biting here soon. Um, so it's very important to be fishing with lures you have confidence in, lures you have experience in, but I also urge you if you haven't fished this lure, um, or you see a lot of lures that pros are using that you've never really fished, but you know, they keep winning on these, you know, they keep winning on the Ned rig, they keep winning on a drop shot, they keep winning on a, uh, you know, a jerk bait or uh, a jig, right? Flipping big pads and stuff like that, I suggest you just take time and try to develop those techniques a little bit more. Um, It's not always easy, especially for me. You know, you only have the weekends. You only have a few hours to fish every week. Um, It's not really a fun time to be experimenting too much, but it is a great way to learn. So I think it's a great idea to pick maybe even a technique a year that you say, you know, I'm going to mix this technique in this year and try to learn a little bit more about it and see if I can, if I can catch some fish on it. So that's kind of recommendation to, to try a few different new techniques. If you're kind of stuck using only, you know, one, two, three techniques, it's important to kind of round yourself out and be able to look at different lures and different ways to cover an entire water column and see what other people are catching them on and how you can adjust and use that technique. All right, so that's lure presentation portion. Uh, let's get into the kayak news. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen recently but Vibe is releasing a new kayak. It's called the Shearwater 125. Um, it's going to retail at $12.99 and then they do have a new Mirage drive. This is nearly identical to the Hobie Mirage Drive. Um, Hobie's patent went up, as many of you probably know, um, on the original drive system for them. So um, since that patent's up, you see a lot of companies coming out with this Mirage Drive style of uh, propulsion. So pedal with your feet propulsion. so the vibe vibe Shearwater 125 they're taking pre-orders now um it looks to be a pretty solid kayak i'm not convinced they call it the game changer and that's ending all kayak fishing kayaks and it's going to be the best kayak in the water i think it's a bunch of uh, i don't know i just think it's a bunch of salesmanship um there's not too much in it I don't already see companies doing they do have a little uh, foot perches on the side if you want to get a little higher vantage point point. and I do think they did they did a kind of cool job they're making a seat perch so you flip the seat down and there's a perch on top of the seat that you can get up onto and fish off of that um My only worry is just stability, if you're gonna really be able to fish off that seat perch very well. Um, You know, you're probably, I don't know, a foot and a half off the water by then, which is a great vantage point to be fishing from, but you're also gonna be less stable up there. The lower you are to the water when you're standing, the more stable you're gonna be. So there is a worry there that, uh, you know, you get that raised vantage point but you don't really uh, feel confident standing up there. And then, you know, at that point, if you don't feel confident standing on that seat perch, then uh, it becomes more of a gimmick, right? Um, other than that, uh, the other cool portion I see is that it looks like the foot pedals um, that you rest your feet on do control the runner, uh, which is pretty nice. So I'm a pretty strong component in fishing hands-free. So, that's what i why I have a pedal kayak is so that I can fish hands free, and I know uh, I think to utilize these because you can't use this while you're pedaling, but if you're paddling and you're letting the wind is kind of drifting you, if you can steer and change that rudder direction with your feet, I do think there's an advantage there um, of being able to keep your kayak pointed a certain direction while you're essentially drifting along with the wind, rather than having to keep keep reach down to that rudder uh, and turn that rudder handle a little bit, it's nicer to be able to use your feet for that and change that if you need to as you're kind of drifting with the wind. Um, The the kayak's built to be either paddled, pedaled, or under power. They kind of have a big hatch that, uh, I like this portion, it's a big hatch and it's Flat with the bottom of the boat so it's not sticking up so you can paddle it and have basically that whole open area. It's great if you're you're a fly angler too to have kind of open cockpit cockpit to uh, run line into. Um, so that's kind of nice that that little pod area lies flat and then that's where you pop in your pedals if you want to or you make motor you can pop in that motor attachment and run it that way. Um, also, you have two, uh, you can fit two planos on each side right next to your seat, which is really nice. Um, and you have a cup holder on each side. But having two planos on each side, so you have four planos within just right by your seat, right on the side of the seat, um, that's really nice. You know, you can fit a lot of tackle in four planos, and then just to have that easy access, um, I'd put all my confidence lures right there in that area or you can put two planos on one side and maybe uh, a binder of plastics in the other one and that would probably provide me with 90 90% of what I want to be fishing that day and then you can throw your your crate in the back with everything else that's kind of more of a just in case you know you want to fish something special or you run across a a special technique that you want to use that day. Um, Overall boat, it's 12 feet, six inches, uh, 35 inch width, 72 pounds, uh, but 92 pounds loaded. So by the time you get the seat on there, um, you know, everything else, it's 92 pounds, but a capacity of 475 pounds. So if you're a bigger guy, Capacity of four seventy-five. That's pretty good. Also, when you look at it from the side, there's not a whole lot of it sticking out of water, which means it won't catch as much wind. Uh, which means you won't, you shouldn't get blown around much in this kayak, which is nice. Pretty sharp-looking entry point. I think it'll paddle pretty decently. I mean, it's it's on the wide side at thirty-five inches in width, um, which adds stability. But it looks like it could still paddle decently. Um, it's got two horizontal rod holders that look like they can hold a rod or two on each side so you can lay your rods down horizontally if you want they're not totally integrated where they're in rod tubes um, but they kind of have little fins that they should tuck under there Um, and then 12 feet 6 inches I, i think that's probably right around a perfect length um So when it comes to kayaks, you know, the longer and skinnier a kayak is, the faster it's gonna be and the straighter it's gonna track. The shorter and fatter it is, um, the more stable it's gonna be, but it's not gonna pedal or or paddle as well. So, you know, being 12 feet, six inches is a pretty good length. Um, Over about 14 feet gets a little long, shorter than about 10, 11 feet, it gets really short. Um, so I like twelve feet, kind of right in the middle, and a good size uh, to be looking for. Um, so overall, I don't know. I think it, I think it's going to be a solid kayak for twelve ninety nine. Being able to get a pedal drive, I, I haven't personally used this new X drive. That's pretty much a Mirage, uh, Hobie Mirage copy. Um, hopefully, it works good. I've heard other companies and their pedal drives that it doesn't really hold a candle to Hobie's, you know, even though they had all these time to develop a nice system that it's still not as nice as Hobie's and isn't as efficient. Uh, so we'll see how this new X-Drive is. Hopefully it, it's a nice pedal. Um, the only thing is it doesn't have reverse, um, which is a problem. And then obviously the new 360 can go in any direction for Hobie but uh, this is gonna be forward only. I think you can probably pop it out, turn around and go in reverse, but that's kind of a pain. I'd just probably pick up the paddle if you needed to go in reverse. Um, I will say after having, yeah, you know, I have a Hobie with a 180 Mirage drive so I can go forward or reverse. I It would be hard for me to go without the 180 and without being able to go in reverse. I use it a a good amount. It's not something where it's like, oh, 95% of the time I'm in forward. No, um, anytime you got wind pushing you into your spot a little bit, and if you regularly paddle, and you're thinking about getting one, think of how many times you do little back paddles uh, where you're paddling away from shore. Every time you do one of those, it's a situation where you'd wanna have a pedal drive that goes in reverse. you have native makes a good uh pedal drive that's kind of auto reverse, that's more bicycle style. Um you have a lot of other brands that have that reverse option. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um I, I have heard that you should be able to use the Hobie Mirage Drive in this vibe in this vibe shearwater. They have the same kind of pocket for it to pop into. So you know, that could be another option too, where you get it for $12.99, after a few months or whatever, you decide to upgrade and get a Hobie 180 Mirage Drive and pop it in this boat. So that is an, kind of a cool option to be able to use the kind of an aftermarket one from Hobie um, if you want. And then also in kayak news, I just saw the other day catch boards, which I don't know if if many of you guys are familiar with that, but if you do any terminate tournament fishing or you enjoy seeing how long your fish are for a comparison, then you probably have a bump board of sorts. Um, you know, it it used to be, oh, what's the brand? Um, oh I'm forgetting what the what the normal kind of bump board brand is, but there there was one that kind of has owned it for a while but if you haven't heard of catchboards k e t c h they started out with an aluminum board, which is one I have now. The aluminum board's pretty expensive it retails around like eighty dollars but the aluminum board is absolutely bomb proof it will sink like a rock if you uh drop it they threw in a, they threw in a leash for me. Uh, for free when I ordered it which was nice. So, I have that leashed up and uh directly tied to the boat And I have it for tor- tournaments and uh I can't say uh anything more about that aluminum catchboard. It's awesome. Um the lines are etched into it. The thing's gonna be around way longer than I am. That's for sure. It's it's solid. But regardless, uh the catchboards They just released a new, well, they haven't released it yet, but they're testing it. But they're releasing a new plastic uh, board that floats from that brand. So the catch, plastic floating version, I'm pretty curious to see how it works and uh, how it holds up. The problem with the other boards is that you end up breaking the little bump board portion. so and I'm kind of a little worried about these catchboard plastic ones. It's not, uh, it's not molded in the bump board part. It looks like it's attached uh, afterwards. So we'll see how those hold up and if that's the final one that they release. But it does look to be a pretty cool um, bump board. Most tournaments, so if you're a tournament fisher, fisherman or you're thinking about getting into tournaments, Typically you are only allowed to have a few uh, handful of brands uh, bump boards and the one I'm thinking is hog trough. Hog trough, that's what I meant earlier. Um, hog trough has kind of owned the market there for a while, um, but catch boards was recently brought on as essentially another company that you can buy these bump boards through. For these larger tournaments, that are an approved bump board, so really you're kind of between hog trough and catch boards. Um, but like I said, those aluminum catch ones don't break. I broke my hog trough. They said it wasn't good for the tournament because it's a bump area. Um, and I decided, well, should I should I spend the eighty bucks on a new one, or just spend you know around thirty bucks for a hog trough or a plastic board? And I decided to pop on the higher one because I'm thinking, well probably only be another year or two before i break the next one and so i wanted to wanted one that's going to last for a while make a little investment in it so i went with the catchboard aluminum. aluminum and i love it it's great all right and then the next thing that we're going to go through is questions and since this is the introduction i don't have any any listener questions i urge you guys if you have any questions or want to learn about anything more, uh shoot me a message. I am on Facebook, but I don't uh I don't do too much on the Facebook page for Boundaryless Kayak Fishing. Uh I'm a lot more active on Instagram. So, if you go over to Instagram, you can always message me over there um or, you know, you can reach out, you can follow me as as personally as Mark Goodjur on Facebook if you want and uh Go shoot me a message there if you have any questions or want me to go into anything specifically. But instead of questions, I want to bring up a YouTube video series that, if you guys have not seen it, you need to see it. Uh, it's by Uncut Angling, and it's called 39 Hours. Um, really cool episode, or really cool YouTube series. Have three different teams of two people, and then they go... 39 hours straight of fishing and the goal is to catch the largest of as many species as possible so they're going after the largest largest largemouth bass smallmouth bass uh, crappie walleye everything's got to be over 12 inches if it's not over 12 inches it doesn't count but there's red horse pike muskie um you know suckers carp they got they're going after any kind of species, and they're trying to catch the biggest of that species, trout. Um, so, it is a pretty cool series. Um, it's, I think, nine episodes covering the covering the 39 hours, and then they end up having to go into overtime, essentially, to catch the biggest walleye for the win. Uh, and then they donated the rods. Whoever won got Shimano rods, and then they donated those to kids. Um, but check out Uncut Angling's 39 hours if you're kind of getting the itch or you got ice on the water and you need something to kind of fill that gap right now um, that's a good series to check out um, and then to end it I think what I'm going to do is give you guys a little peek into the different episodes I'm thinking about so this one's obviously the introduction uh, I think the next podcast I'm going to talk about how to choose a kayak and kind of the great fishing kayaks that we have out there right now and kind of my top 10 kayaks you know kind of breaking it down between beginner intermediate uh, and more of a tournament boat and then different ones that i'd choose if i was paddling so that'll probably be the next episode that i release and then uh, just episodes ideas is Uh, Favorite baits and presentations, new gear and eye cast review, uh, kayak setups and kind of must-haves, beginner techniques to catch fish. Um, I'll probably do like a smallmouth 101, largemouth 101, musky, walleye, panfish, kind of all just basics specific to those fish. Um, River fishing versus lake fishing. Um fishing kind of Minnesota boundary waters, and how to fish in camp, and using kind of the Minnesota, Wisconsin river trails, and I'm sure a lot of other states have river trails that you can go along and camp out at, and and fish uh, while you're camping, so I'll probably get into that, Uh, maybe I'll move that one forward, it's kind of a fun topic, Um, talk a little bit about tournament fishing, specifically kayak tournament fishing, Um, I might have a Video. I go in a little more depth about Omnia fishing, and another one, difficulties of kayak fishing, how to overcome that, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there as the listeners decide kind of what they want to hear, uh, and I'll try to do the best I can for you guys to bring you the content you want. So, anyways, I think that's all I have today. I appreciate all you guys tuning in to the first boundaryless kayak fishing podcast and i hope to do uh, many more for you guys and i hope you enjoy them thanks again bye thank you for tuning in to the boundless kayak fishing podcast enjoy your time on the water